You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. integrates influence and cyber operations, chat GPT use and misuse. Phishing reports increased significantly so far in 2023, while HTML attacks double. An update on the Discord papers, cyber strikes against civilian targets, my conversation with our own Simone Petrella on emerging cyber workforce strategies. Tim Starks from the Washington Post joins me with reflections on the RSA conference, And turns out a war clause cannot be invoked in denying damage claims in the NotPetya attacks. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. Microsoft has observed Iran making increasingly sophisticated attempts at influence operations. Microsoft says, We detected these efforts rapidly accelerating since June 2022. We attributed 24 unique cyber-enabled influence operations to the Iranian government last year, including 17 from June to December, compared to just 7 in 2021. We assess that most of Iran's cyber-enabled influence operations are being run by Ebonet Pasargad, which we track as Cotton Sandstorm, formerly Neptunium, an Iranian state actor sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department for their attempts to undermine the integrity of the 2020 U.S. presidential elections. The new playbook is predictable, but it's no less effective for all of its templated quality, 
A campaign begins with a cyber persona announcing and usually exaggerating a low-grade cyber attack. That announcement is then picked up, distributed, and amplified by inauthentic persona using the targeted audience's native language. Microsoft says the goals of its cyber-enabled I.O. have included seeking to bolster Palestinian resistance, fomenting unrest in Bahrain, and countering the ongoing normalization of Arab-Israeli ties, with a particular focus on sowing panic and fear among Israeli citizens. OpenAI has confirmed a data breach in its chat GPT system, Security Week reports. The breach was enabled by a flaw in the system. The rapidly growing chatbot contained a vulnerability in its open-source library, allowing outside users to see others' chat histories. The breach took the chatbot offline until the company's patch was released. Although the patch was quick and the exploit appears minor, this vulnerability may have allowed others, malicious or otherwise, to see payment information, names, and email addresses of other users using the service for a few hours. In a separate development, Samsung has completely barred employees from using generative AI systems like ChatGPT on company devices and networks after it was found that the tech giant's employees had uploaded sensitive internal data to the platform. Bloomberg reports that the South Korean tech giant fears the implications of the chatbot's data being stored on external servers. That storage could take the ability to secure such data out of Samsung's hands and could allow disclosure of shared information to unauthorized parties. Samsung's strictures against using ChatGPT in its systems isn't, we should note, a case of any more general reluctance to be involved with AI. Samsung has also shared plans to create its own internal AI tools. Cofence released its 2023 first quarter phishing intelligence trends review today. They report a 20% increase in active threat reports in the first quarter when compared to last quarter, and a 34% increase when compared to the first quarter of 2022. Threat actors are updating their delivery systems. They are, for example, now including OneNote files. YouTube has become a surprising target of abuse by threat actors, and threat actors will use redirects to point to phishing pages. Cofence says the top malware families and types remained mostly consistent to that of the fourth quarter, However, the most significant changes in malware types was a 38% increase in the use of keyloggers. Researchers explain that Quackbot remained the most successful malware family reaching inboxes, 185% more often than Emotet, despite Emotet's extremely high dissemination volume. Telegram bot usage for exfiltration increased very sharply, nearly 400% during the first quarter of 23. Cofence states, Further, Telegram bot API usage continued to rise tremendously in the first quarter, already surpassing all of 2022 by 310%. The use of Telegram bots has already reached new highs this quarter compared to all of last year and is expected to hold these levels or even go beyond. Cofence expects an increase in phishing attempts as we enter the summer months. Barracuda released a study this morning indicating that HTML attacks have doubled since last year. The researchers note that not only is the total number of attacks increasing, but the number of unique attacks seems to be increasing as well. Barracuda states, 
On March 23rd, almost 9 in 10 of the total 475,938 malicious HTML artifacts were unique, which means that almost every single attack was different. HTML attacks are commonly seen in phishing campaigns when users download HTML attachments from emails. Barracuda recommends that organizations adopt email protections to spot and block malicious HTML attachments, that they train their personnel to spot phishing emails, that they implement MFA and consider a zero-trust security model, and that they prepare an incident response plan that includes ways of disrupting a campaign should it penetrate your organization. Ukrainian President Zelensky said he did not receive a briefing from the U.S. on the leaks in the Discord papers. He found out about them from news reports, according to the Washington Post. In fairness to the White House, the leaks do seem to have caught U.S. authorities off guard, and news outlets were among those who discovered the leaks at roughly the same time the officials did. CERT-UA reports that Russia continues to attempt cyber attacks against civilian infrastructure. Ukraine form quotes Volodymyr Kondrashov, spokesman for the State Service of Special Communications and Information Protection. Where are the attacks coming from? CERT-UA, which is manually engaged in prevention, detection, and response to cyber attacks and cyber incidents, monitors the activities of more than 80 groups, most of which are hacker groups from the Russian Federation, whose 90% of the members are Russian military operatives. That is, we see that Russia uses the same tactics in cyberspace as it does on the conventional battlefield. That is, it tries to attack civilian infrastructure. A New Jersey court ruled Monday that Merck may be entitled to a payout from their insurers following a 2017 cyber attack against the company, Fierce Pharma reports. The June 2017 cyber attack was conducted by NotPetya, a group with ties to Russia. The attack initially hit Ukrainian targets, but soon spread indiscriminately around the world. The pseudo-ransomware was first distributed through accounting software. In Merck's case, and Merck was not the only Western company affected, Bloomberg Law reports that in Merck's case, NotPetya infected more than 40,000 machines in the pharmaceutical giant's network. The U.S. government attributed the attack to Russian intelligence services and charged six Russian officers in connection with the incident. The indicted officers are, of course, presently out of reach. Merck's insurers disputed a payout of $1.4 billion to the company on the basis of the hostile warlike action exclusion clause within their policies. The Wall Street Journal reports. However, the appeals court this week said that the exclusion clause should not apply to a non-military-affiliated company, despite the nature of its origin. It's a win for Merck, but more litigation can, of course, be expected. And finally, our CyberWire associate producer Liz Irvin was with us for the first time at the RSA conference this year, and she shared her mic with conference-goers walking the show floor, She files this report. We're here in the beautiful San Francisco at the RSA conference for 2023. My name is Liz Irvin, and this is my woman on the street walk and talk with cyber professionals around the world. So what was it like walking down those escalators or walking down those steps for the first time, seeing all of the panels and all of the the booths just, was it overwhelming at first? I think it's great. I... I think it's such a big scale. So we have like trade shows in London, but I think as honestly as a speck in the dust compared to RSA, it's 
It's amazing. People are here. They're so generous with all the information that they want to give. Um, and I'm learning so much. Yeah, definitely. At first, it's definitely very overwhelming. Um, but we've just seen so many friendly faces who have come up to us and greeted us. I've loved it. RSA is always kind of like a back-to-school reunion, right? Having been in the industry for about eight years, it's really cool getting a chance to connect with some old friends. Um, but it's really interesting to see some of the new and interesting problems that people are solving. So how are you comparing this year to the past years that you've been here? Is it better or worse? Like, what, what are you finding um, for this year? Mm, I think what makes it so special this year is being here with my super cyber girl squad and having a whole community of young women that are empowered and energized around this topic. So it's a little bit of a different vibe, but, you know, RSA is, is just the magic that it was a few years ago, too. I am enjoying it. Yeah. Um, since after COVID, it's nice to be back and be back to normal, it feels like. So the first year that I came, we were very much in our first year as a startup. So we, we had a much smaller booth. We really had to fight to get attention. Like today we're a bit more established and we have a lot more integrations and partnerships. So seeing that growth between the first year and now is spectacular. So what is your favorite thing on the show floor that you've seen so far today? There's been a lot. Actually, there was a nerd wall over there that got all these old Star Wars comics and there's a, an AT-AT AT Lego piece, um, which got us to go to your booth with your guys' Legos here, uh, and you could win those. So that was been that was really cool and really unique to see. Oh, uh, well, apart from the you know the cool F1 cars and the Indy cars, um, just just talking to people, just like there's there's no one thing, but you know you know you've got you guys here at Secure IoT, and you've got the guys that are securing AI, and it's it's really looking to the future. So. I can't pick one thing. It's just all really great and, and great to be in San Francisco. I'm sure you've heard of the, uh, the abbreviation for Chief Information Security Officer. How do you pronounce that abbreviation? I pronounce it CISO. I would say CISO? I say CISO. 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 Okay. All right. Fantastic. Although it should be CISO. CISO? Because <laughs> it... CISO. CISO. Okay. CISO. All right. I, I learned something today. That's Liz Irvin, our N2K Network's associate producer, reporting from the show floor of last week's RSA conference in San Francisco. Coming up after the break, my conversation with our own Simone Petrella on emerging cyber workforce strategies. And Tim Starks from The Washington Post joins me with reflections on the RSA conference. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. 
Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. everybody want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor splunk you know you need to keep operations humming around the clock but potential disruptions are everywhere splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime the world's largest enterprises rely on splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient resilient and innovative With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show Simone Petrella. Uh, She is the president of N2K Networks and uh, my boss, Ah, Welcome and back, Simone. It's so good to see you, Dave. <laughs> it, like, I, like I could say no. Um, <laughs> I forced you into it. That's right. That's right. Twist my arm. So you and I are freshly back from the RSA conference, and I wanted to touch base with you on trends that you were tracking and things you saw when it comes to strategic workforce development. Um, I think particularly at RSA, it's so easy to talk about the tech side of things, but it strikes me that we're facing a lot of interesting challenges when it comes to the workforce. What 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 did you see? Yeah, I think it was, first of all, it was wonderful to be back out at RSA and kind of see it in full effect and all the tech solutions on display. I think one of the main takeaways I had was that, you know, strategic workforce development, training, how do we deal with the talent issue is still one of the top three priority areas across the board. Hmm. However, we're still stuck in this discrete challenge of the limitations of the solutions that we're using to actually fix the problem. Um, What do I mean by that? Um, Basically, it's something we all like to talk to. We give a lot of lip service to it, but then when the rubber meets the road— Um, I'd say that it's pretty fragmented in how we're actually addressing the problem. I think there's more desire to talk about it than to really invest significant resources or time into it like you do in the technologies, you know. Help me understand here because in my perception, um, it feels as though organizations are quick to hire what I describe as the fully baked individual, the person who has been at this a while comes to the table with a lot of skills, can hit the ground running, but they're not so quick to hire that person who's going to need a little bit of care and feeding. Do you think that's an accurate perception on my part? I do. I think that it is something that we've struggled with for years, and this year is no exception. Um, A good number of the folks that I spoke to, um, security leaders and CISOs, would talk about how they were really focused on more experienced roles. The roles that they wanted to prioritize and fill required a level of experience, and so they just essentially had no need for the entry or the mid-level roles that could actually come up the ranks in security. And Mm. part of the reason they didn't want those is because they're automating those functions and want to retain the rest for the more experienced 
talent. So how do the new people coming out of school get trained up? Oh, that's a great question, Dave. I <laughs> guess they can't. We're all— <laughs> Well, I mean, we're joking about it, but it's a real—can we go so far as to say peril for the industry? I absolutely think it's a peril because we're not investing in training the workforce of the future. And if they can't get to that place of experience because they haven't gotten a chance to get their foot in the door, then you're never going, you're actually going to continue to squeeze the already limited supply of this talent we have. It is a truly classic economic problem of supply and demand, Mm. but we're putting the squeeze on ourselves when we think about future forecasting. So where do you think we have to go then, based on what you've heard? uh, Any insights on potential solutions? Well, one thing I think is really interesting that was unique to this year than in prior years, because this has obviously been an important topic for a number of years now, Mm -hmm. perhaps more than the last five, was that while there's still a recognition that the talent issue is real, there is a reality of the market meaning the broader economy today, because it is softening, because we're kind of teetering on the edge of what people are saying will become a recession, we're not sure. Mm. But that has resulted in the effect of reduced attrition across cybersecurity roles. Companies are either not hiring as many positions as they had, and because when costs go up and budgets also tighten, what do people do? They stay put in their jobs. So... There's an interesting opportunity from my perspective in that companies are experiencing all-time low attrition in their cybersecurity workforces, Mm. but that also means that they are now in a position to actually invest and keep those folks they have in a way to develop them that they may not have been as willing to do when they were operating under the world of, I don't want to invest time and resources into you know, new employee X, Y, or Z because Mm -hmm. they're going to leave me in a year and a half. So rather than folks bouncing around, uh, chasing after uh, bonuses, being poached away, perhaps it it makes more sense to invest in these people since there's a greater likelihood that they're going to stick with us for a while. Exactly. And as a lot of people say, the age-old adage is, you know, the fear is, well, if I train them, what happens if they leave? This is truly an example of, well, what if you don't trade them and they stay? (laughs) That's right. That's right. But I suspect, too, I mean, are we discounting the amount of loyalty that might be, um, uh, that someone might gain from having a company where they feel like they're investing in them? Absolutely. I think organizations have a really untapped opportunity to encourage and develop their institutional talent because the hardest thing to actually upskill anyone on is knowledge of the business, knowledge of the enterprise, knowledge of the particular unique risks in that enterprise. Hmm. And being able to develop people into new roles, but allow them to carry that institutional knowledge with them is actually a net security positive for those organizations. Is this a bit of a wake-up call? I mean, do you you feel like this message is getting out either organically or just by necessity? I think it's still an uphill battle. I I think that measuring and executing on human capital is still one of the hardest things for us to, as an industry, really wrap our heads around because Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And it is, I think, very tempting to look to a technology solution to automate something, make our lives more efficient, and essentially ignore the 
the bigger, more challenging, more high-touch requirement that's ultimately nece- like necessary to to have successful human human talent and capacity. Yeah. I mean, kind of understand it in such a tech-centric vertical that you'd have that impulse, but ultimately, I guess it's short-sighted. I think so. And especially if we want to continue to have new folks come into the field, we have to give them an opportunity to actually see themselves in these roles. Otherwise, they'll they'll bail out and you're you're stuck with kind of a recurrence of not having the most, the best and the brightest kind of come into the field. Yeah. All right. Well, Simone Petrella from N2K Networks, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for letting me hijack you, Dave. It is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Tim Starks. He is the author of the Cybersecurity 202 at the Washington Post. Tim, great to have you back. Howdy, Dave. So you and I were both out in San Francisco at the RSA conference, and uh, although we did not cross paths while we were out there, I'm looking forward to getting your insights from the show. Any high-level thoughts to start with? Gosh, uh, you know, I... It's it's kind of a funny thing that happens when you're on the East Coast and you go out to the West Coast and end up talking to a bunch of people from the East Coast. Uh, agreed, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, partially because I'm a little focused on policy, uh, the highlights for me were um, sitting down with Rob Joyce from the NSA, and uh, that was something I did alone uh, with him. And then uh, also sitting down with Kimba Wallen, the acting national cyber director, that was part of a a panel with the media. Um, those were the things that really stuck out to me. Uh, you know, Rob Joyce had had a lot to say about a lot of things. You know, he also gave a, a very interesting presentation that I wrote about uh, again this week, mentioning his thoughts on AI. But when we talked, you know, we talked about China, we talked about Russia, we talked about the Discord leaks. Kim Walden also likely you know covered the waterfront. The thing that stuck out to me with with her conversation was what they're doing on space cybersecurity. I'm constantly trying to look for a way to work a joke about cyberspace, but space cyber, and I can never, I can never make it happen <laughs> in my in my columns. So, um, you know, those were those were the, the the big the big things for me. Um, obviously, went to a lot of meetings, uh, wrote a bunch of things about it for the newsletter last week, and again, like I said, spilling over to this week. Going into the conference, I think a big question for me was: to what degree are we going to see everything influenced by Chat GPT? And, you know, I, I, I made the joke, I think, on our show a couple times that I, I thought maybe half of the booths would say, chat GPT enabled, and the other half would say, we protect you from things that are chat GPT enabled. <laughs> that's, um, that's a legit good joke. I, I, <laughs> there really was a, a ton of announcements from companies saying, you know, generative AI, generative AI. Uh, right. But, but also, you know, uh, people have been warning uh, on the on the other side about how how risky this is, but you know one of the things that was interesting to me about it was it's not something where people can really really give you a really solid answer about why why they're worried about it. Mm. Um, I think you know one of the best answers, and this was you know something that Jenny Sterling told me uh, a few weeks back when I asked her like, what are you actually worried about? Because she mentioned it as this big big threat that she was really really worried about, and she said, well, I'm not I'm not an AI expert. I'm I'm more worried about the fact that that similar to the advent of social media, similar to the the way we are, she's worried about secure by design, people need to be thinking about about cybersecurity with it now, before it gets to that point of of 
it's taken over our lives in a lot of ways and we haven't we don't realize how much harm has been done so yeah. i think that's i think that might be the best answer even though it's an answer that says we don't know um there are obviously real risks uh that that people are are, are talking about that that you know the, i think the, the the one that's most persuasive to me right now is the is the ability of these things to write uh phishing pitches emails or or uh disinformation those are the things that most are most convincing to me right now because I, you know, I've written before about how right now it's not actually very good at writing, say, malware. Uh, it might be later, but right now it doesn't seem that good at that. One of the things that struck me um, was I was having a conversation with Ann Johnson from Microsoft, and she was um, talking about how Microsoft is embracing these large language models and. It struck me that with the big companies, the leaders in the field going all in on this, does that leave um, the smaller players not really having much of a choice as to whether or not they follow that path? Like it's either, you know, if the big players are going to do it, then to be competitive, do you have to do it? Or is it possible to have it be a differentiator to say, no, we're not doing that? Hmm. You know, I, I think one of the one of the best answers I've heard to that kind of question, um, not that not not precise question, was, you know, AI isn't by itself going to change anything uh, mm-hmm. on the defensive side of things. I mean, you, you mentioned Microsoft, Google had an announcement too. Um, so you're talking big, 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 big companies. What I've heard people say is that is that if you have AI and human humans working together, you're going to be better off than people just using one or the other. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, what it reminds me of is years ago, I remember uh, uh, reading an article about um, chess competitions, you know, the, the people at the highest level of chess. And someone said that, um, someone who knew about these things said that, uh, you know, computers can pretty much beat uh, top chess folks right, routinely these days. But if you team up a human with a computer, they can routinely beat the computer by itself. And I think that's an interesting, just, you know, that connects to this, to what you're saying, I think. I mean, another thing I think, you know, I think part of it, maybe I'm just being a little too skeptical here. I think part of it is marketing. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's mm-hmm. talking about this, so why not jump on the bandwagon and say, yeah, we're doing it too. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think that's a big part of it too. It's a, it's an easy thing to try to differentiate yourself from the competitors. And if you already have a head start behind the scenes, why would you not do that? I mean, we're seeing things from uh, folks within organizations like Google who are, you know, there's stories coming out from them saying maybe we're going a little too fast here. Yeah, I mean, the the, the big godfather, uh, his name is escaping me, but yeah, saying slow it down. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've uh, I'm sorry if I've used this line on you before, Dave, but um, on on this issue of AI, I'm, I'm somewhere between, you know, growing up being afraid of the Terminator and c- Cyberdyne systems and uh, all of that. But also looking at the, you know, there's an essay that one of my favorite writers, Ted Chang, wrote for The New Yorker uh, not that long ago, which really sounds like he's, he's not of the mind that this is actually that big a deal. Um, and he's a, he's a very thoughtful science writer, um, science fiction and science writer, um, who, who, you know, was saying that, that this is a little bit using this chat GPT stuff is a little bit more like a, a copy of a copy of a copy. And you'll start having these, that's why we have these artifacts or, or what we call hallucinations. He, he seemed a little bit of the mind that this was just a different way of, of the internet working. I, I might be oversimplifying his point because he's way smarter than I am, but um, I, I think there's a range there of, of how scary this could be versus how people might be overreacting. Yeah. Well, as folks in the media love to say, time will tell, right? <laughs> Yes. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Tim, thanks for taking the time for us today. It's great catching up with you. The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. Vanta.